on the plane from Darwin to Melbourne, I read a book by a man called Nick Keeter. Does he ring a bell with you? You're, 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 you're. He's a Murdoch newspaper editor from the Australian All right. uh, newspaper. But therefore, and... therefore, thoroughly good egg. The swill is not only unpleasant, it's also dangerous. Those who like beer, and surprisingly it's still legal to like it. South Australia joins all other states in abandoning the six o'clock swill. Welcome to the Six O'Clock Swill with your host Tim Blair on the New South Wales Central Coast. Yours truly, Nick Cater, temporarily in residence in Mackay in Queensland in search of winter sun. Joining us today from the Independent Socialist Republic of Western Australia is guest panellist Caroline DeRusso, Haydn's favourite daughter. No, not Franz Joseph Haydn, <laughs> the childless father of the string quartet, but Haydn, the farming town four hours' drive from Perth. Today we play tribute to former English Prime Minister Boris Johnson, the dishevelled and dissembling toff with a phobia for hairbrushes. Australian Treasurer Jim Chalmers turns to the failed state of New Zealand for some lessons in economics. Kamala Harris serves up another word salad and Yarra City Council runs out of fag poles. Welcome, uh, Caroline. How are things over there in the West? Good, actually. Look, it's the middle of winter, but we've got a really beautiful blue sky today, so I'm not going to whinge. Um, we are still, you know, isolated and, and a bit special over here, but other than that, it's all good. You wouldn't have huge rates of what's it called seasonal affective disorder in the West, would you? That's the, that's the, um, the syndrome mm. where you get depressed when the skies are grey. Sad. S-A-D. Yeah, no, we call it whinges. Yeah. We're whingers in the West. <laughs> You've been diagnosed with a case of whinge. <laughs> You've been doing a little bit of whinging over recent years. Maybe not you, your government perhaps. Maybe. Well, it's better than... If you've, if you've got any kind of chest infection or you're a bit crook flu-wise, as a friend of mine is currently, mm. she um, rang her the doctor she's been seeing for decades this morning, Friday morning. And uh, asked to make an appointment, and she was. Um, they inquired if she had any um, cold or flu symptoms, and she said yes. They said, "Well, we can't see you," <laughs> which seems an unusual way for a medical system to operate. <laughs> Sorry, you're sick. <laughs> you're sick. You're gonna have to. You, so we, we're we're a we're a medical service. We we can't be compromised by any illness. Goodbye. <laughs> It's a bit like the public school system, isn't it, with their pupil-free days? <laughs> we'll have a patient-free one month here in the medical centre. Oh, dear, oh, dear. We could rattle on for hours, of course. But first of all, I think the EU, and uh, I think this is um, possibly the only EU pronouncement I've even come close to agreeing with. Yes. They, they are making gas, turn it, they are now declaring that gas is a green energy. That's fantastic news, isn't it, it's the best news that the EU's ever come up with. You, you, I've, I've written quite a few hundred thousand or so words on the EU over the years, and I can't remember editing them... Being nice? Off, no. <laughs> I can remember a few of them being obscene and censored, but I can't remember any of them being, including anything that might be close to praise. But they've, of course, included in the same category as, as a helpful transitionary fuel, nuclear. Gas and nuclear, suddenly green. Yeah. Well, this is the way to, to to cure climate change, isn't it? Just redefine everything. Correct. Just go to the dictionary. Correct. Who said regulation couldn't save the planet? If you change the regulation, you change the planet. 
<laughs> there speaks a lawyer. Yeah, <laughs> Talk, talking shop again. Right from in here. Well, yeah. there's there's lots of ways to change uh, change communities. I think the latest trick that uh, Albanese is pulling, our new prime minister, he wants to allow New Zealanders to vote. Mm. Yes, that's right. He he he. The, we're going to keep their criminals and allow them to vote. That's the new deal, isn't it? He's, he's absolutely smitten with Jacinda Ardern, apparently. I'm really country. looking forward to the pork barrelling for scaffolders. It's going to be <laughs> fabulous. Like, you, you are going to start to see these real niche bits of policy. These yes. Real niche bits of, you know, spending that are, that are aimed at the... Uh, Kiwi expat class. We will reduce taxes on jandals and judderbumps. <laughs> we will Something like we that. will mandate for wider scaffolds, and they will be covered with with teak. They'll be the best <laughs> scaffolds. You'll be sick of the brilliant scaffolds. Bring back the death sentence for Kiwis, I say, and then we can, <laughs> we'll have something to use the scaffolding for, won't we? It'll be a great idea. <laughs> what is going on here? You used to have to be an Australian citizen, you know, pure and simple. You know, somebody who's actually either born here or has declared their allegiance to this country, uh, um, which I did. I did in 19, ooh, long time, 1991. Surely you've got to do that to have the right to vote. We're not just going to let any old... Kiwi just down happens to turn up at, at the you know Bondi Hotel to go out and vote for our governor. They, they are shocking at voting, aren't they? Look at them. Look at the way Kiwis voted now. They voted in Jacinda Ardern. We don't want that, do we? Do Kiwi votes in Australia get counted in the same way as Kiwi votes get counted in New Zealand? Do they get their own system as well? Do we do we import all of that crap? You know that mm. uh, that weird cascading. <laughs> Nonsense system. It's even worse than preferential. The hair clerk system. Yeah, the hair lip system. That's right. It's, <laughs> it's a way of voting. Apparently, that's very popular in bad countries. But there's nobody on earth that understands it. Well, why? Why can't they just become citizens? Why can't they just be? When my family got here, we were like, "Let us go," and we became citizens straight away. Like, if you become a citizen, you can vote. Why don't you want to become a citizen? And if they don't you- want to become a citizen, doesn't doesn't that kind of answer the question for you? Uh, why, and why should it be limited to just New Zealanders? Sure. But isn't this discriminatory? Don't encourage this government, please, Tim. What if, Don't give them ideas. What if you're a, a, a happy Tongan who wants to vote? <laughs> and you rock up and you say, you know, I'm damn close to a New Zealander. I'm almost a New Zealander. I'm not quite as goofy. But, mm. you know. Mm. And, and also, uh, I don't, seriously... Anything, anything linked to Ardern at the moment, it's it's just toxic and crazy. And uh, if we're following that path, way to go, Alvo. Your first real genuine move on home soil, not a winner. So we're agreed, are we, that in order to vote, you need to be A, an Australian citizen, to yes. B, have avowed or disavowed all previous loyalty to the All Blacks, and, <laughs> and C, you sign a pledge to let our sheep safely graze. Is that right? That's what we do, I think. And then there should be a language test, and if you answer, <laughs> if you answer any question, concluding with "bro," <laughs> you're disqualified instantly. You're just gone. A language test with a special attention to vowels. Well, I guess they've been trying for years. The labor labor left have been trying for years to get children to be led to vote. You know, sixteen year old people to be to vote. So the next best thing, New Zealanders. Mm. Mm. 
I mean, they keep going this way. They'll let Tasmanians vote. <laughs> I mean, that's just a bit much, don't you think? <laughs> Remember when that Tasmanian head-butted Tony Abbott? <laughs> <laughs> and um, people were making jokes about it on Twitter and so on. And I said something like, oh, you know, that's no laughing matter because a headbutt from a Tasmanian is twice as deadly as a normal headbutt. <laughs> and uh, the press council had to deal with complaints about it. Oh, are you joking? Of <laughs> all the offensive things that you've said, they yep. got upset by that. I know, right? Like, I, I try, I, I, I've said a lot worse. I'll say a lot worse in the next hour, I promise you. No doubt. But it's literally true that they get two votes where we only get one, don't we? Thanks to the constitution which locked in place the fact they had to have at least five representatives in the lower house and 12 in the upper. And, uh, of course, with a population of, what, 54, was it? 55 people at the last There's a couple of chickens, I think. Um, (laughs) Look, there's some serious, serious news about this sort of Ardern fest that's going on in the Australian Cabinet. Treasurer Mm. Jim Sharma's revealed this week that his budget will be designed to achieve the right kind of growth. He's planning to copy New Zealand by introducing a well-being index to ensure that economic growth is broad and inclusive. Well, I tell you, back in the real world, he's going to be lucky to see any growth at all the way they're running the economy right now. But what do you think, Uh, Caroline? Is New Zealand the place to look for... I mean, you get some nice cheese and Sauvignon from there, but is it the place to go looking for economic advice? Well, not not this side of the last few years anyway. Um, no, absolutely not. And, and just into Ardern, was, her, was it 2019 was her yoga budget? I can't remember. Um, <laughs> but, you know, there have been home building programs where there were meant to be like 10,000 homes built mm. and they, they built like 130 or something like that. Look... I just, I don't think Jacinda is very good with a calculator. I think Jim Chalmers, next to Jacinda, is 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 far brighter. Um, but at the same time, I'm not really quite sure um, what he means by a well-being budget. You know what? You know what makes me feel happy? Being taxless. What makes mm. me feel happy yep. is the government wasting less money. And what makes me feel happy is to see less politicians rather than more on the television. So if we just dial back the size of government and yep. and produce value to the Australian people, we don't cut services to the Australian people, we, we increase value to the Australian people, that there is better for all of our collective well-beings. That's just damn straight common sense from Caroline. Now, I, I also received some common sense from my barber, who's a Kiwi, and... Uh, I just mentioned to him, you know, as you do when you're getting your hair chopped off, that uh, that New Zealand had had a bit of trouble lately. And I you know, asked what he was hearing from home. And he said, it's all a disaster. That's why we're all over here. You know, mm-hmm. And apparently about to vote. He'd be the one guy I'd, I'd, I'd allow to vote, by the way. He's a, he's, a, he's a good New Zealander. But he also mentioned that, and I haven't checked this up, I'll just take, it, take his authority for it. He's a barber, after all. He said that the average price for houses across the entire country of New Zealand is more than $1 million now. Because the great housing bubble in the, in the well, I was about to call it a capital city, but let's just refer to it as Wellington. It, um, <laughs> average prices there in Auckland have gone so high and it's forced people out and they're inflating the prices elsewhere. So even, you know, in remote zones in the South Island, un, you know, places where, uh, you know, uh, 
there's still large birds or something. I mean, I know, I know that New Zealand... I mean, we, we can't be taking economic advice from a country that doesn't have mammals. They don't have <laughs> mammals. They don't have na- native, native creatures. It's, it's, a, it's wrong. It's the wrong place. But, but the big problem with their, their housing prices is now that in, uh, inflation has got out of control, which yep. is obviously also a problem, and the RBNZ has gone really bullish on interest rates, well, the bubble that, that has burst, well, or housing prices have mm. at least come off. And I think in April, the um, median house price in Auckland came down 8% for the month or something unreal like that. So, um, wow. Yeah, so I think that that there's all coming to a bit of a grinding halt because I don't think there's too many people who want to try and catch a falling knife. But um, there'll be a few people who bought up the top or near to the top who I reckon will be sweating bullets sooner rather than later. Well, their economy went backwards in the first quarter of the year, so mm. it goes backwards in uh, between... But uh, they between... feel happy. They well, they don't. Happy. They don't. Here we go. Look, I'll show you. The story... But Jacinda said they do. They're, they're happy because she's not in the country. <laughs> I, I haven't actually got the actual New Zealand Wellbeing Index in front of me, but I have got... This is a sort of Wellbeing Index. MYOB poll shows more than a million Kiwis actively considering leaving NZ. <laughs> It says, a, a survey shows that uh, 200,000 have already made the decision to leave and another million are seriously thinking about it. And uh, wait, 58% of the plan to come to Australia. Left? Well, I don't know. There's only one, five, well, five million. That's 20% of the country want to leave, surely. Yes. I mean, what's their well-being? Was, there was a survey that one of the, the real estate bodies over in New Zealand did a couple of months ago that four in ten people who wanted to sell their house were selling their house to move to Australia. Whoa. Mm -hmm. Well, consider this, though. How desperate would you have to be to flee New Zealand for Australia because we're a better economy under Labor? That's indication... That's a serious... I mean, it it reminds me of... There's a a brilliant story surrounding the, um, uh, the great crash, the Wall Street crash in 1929. Mm. There was a, a luxury ocean liner left England loaded with uh, holidaying Americans who were returning home from the continent. And when they left the UK, everything was hunky-dory. And then they were maybe a day or so away from docking in, um, in New York and word had reached the ship that a uh, bit of trouble down Wall Street way. And mm. everyone sort of... There was a ticker tape machine on board and... Various people were going in there and seeing numbers that weren't attractive. By the time this ship docked in New York, everyone on that boat was broke. (laughs) Like, not just broke broke, Mm. but like $12 million in 1929 dollars in debt broke. Mm. Because they'd all been margin investors. It was uh, a brilliant catastrophe. So maybe maybe you'll get Kiwis who'll jump on a plane in uh, Wellington, land in Sydney and be told... You, you got a return ticket there, boyo? Well, let's hope this experiment in ardenomics doesn't last long and we go back to doing things properly over here. Um, look, we should move on. That There's a lot happening in world affairs as we record this podcast. Shinzo Abe, the former Prime Minister of Japan, is reportedly fighting for his life after having been shot at a, at a political rally. It's, it's incredible. I, 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 the, the statistics I read was that, that there's only uh, a handful, 
fewer than a dozen shooting incidents in New Zealand, in sorry, in Japan any year, and and uh, and he's been caught in one. It's sort of unexpected, but a good guy all round. I mean, he was a great uh, friend of Tony Abbott's and a yep. supporter of Australia. So we wish yes. him well, I guess. Look, absolutely. And um, your point about the gun crime or the gun shooting levels in Japan is significant. Uh, having had a look at the weapon the attempted assassin used, it doesn't look like a conventional weapon. It's being referred to as a shotgun of some type. It looks like something that's been 3D printed or something that's been downloaded yeah, I, in some form. I, I, um, I read that it was a homemade gun. Okay. Mm. Uh, but at relatively close range, just about any weapon will do would take someone out. He's, um, it's always been fascinating with uh, Abe because although he was very Trumpian in a lot of ways, he never copped that sort of uh, brutal criticism from outside Japan that, um, say, a Trump or, a, or a, even a, a Morrison or an Abbott received for being a, a populist kind of uh, conservative figure. Abe, I'm not sure, do you, do you think maybe people were scared of being accused of racism if they attacked a Japanese leader? I think I think too that their even their domestic media. Um, I feel like a lot of the international media tends to take its cue from the domestic media, and I think the domestic media maybe in Japan um, uh, are probably not as brutal as as what the domestic media is in here in Australia and in the US. They're rather more respectful, you mean? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you hardly see Japan in the news um, at all. Um, but certainly not when it comes to to political things. It's only you know when there's yeah. a change of prime minister or something really big or does a, it actually or make a the international a natural disaster or something atrocious Correct. like that, Correct. or or a world war. Uh, but in in terms of um, of social policy and so on, you never see Japan get criticised, say, for its lack of diversity. No, no. It, no, it's celebrated as a unique culture instead. So, but anyway, yes, good. Uh, Best wishes, I suppose, to uh, Abe, although um, given the descriptions of uh, his injuries in his current state, our wishes might be superfluous at this point. Another friend of Australia who's fallen on bad times this week, Boris Johnson, has, uh, I think he's resigned. He didn't use the word resign in his resignation speech, but that, I think that was the gist of it. Uh, he's he's yeah. come unstuck. I think the outlook for Britain now is really cloudy and dull because, I mean, he was the most, undeniably the most colourful and amusing world leader in recent years uh, with a great way with words, but unfortunately people don't elect Prime Ministers to do that. They elect them to have firm views and personal integrity, which um, unfortunately Boris struggled with. But he did help Australia, of course, a lot, mm. a lot. He um, he did go green, yeah, which was a concern uh, to the point where I'm just quoting now Roger Kimball, the uh, I think US commentator, saying that uh, Boris's craven subservience to the green agenda of the climate change fanatics and eco-nuts betrayed the country and helped sow economic chaos. Boris must have known that what the world needs now is cheap, abundant energy, period, full stop, end of discussion. Fossil fuels are mankind's friend. 
that, of course, Boris went in another direction. And noticed whenever Conservatives jump on this uh, climate change thing, it's game over, isn't it? it? It gets them every time. It happened to Morrison. I thought the opening paragraph of, was it Greg Sheridan's article today? And so the Boris Johnson circus ends, not with a bang, not even with a whimper, <laughs> but with the whole tent collapsing in a sprawling and undignified confusion. <laughs> and I thought to myself, that is the absolute best way to describe what has gone on here. Yes. And look, there are some, there are some very admirable things about Boris Johnson, and he had some, some great achievements. Um, but ultimately, his judgment was poor. Well, I don't know about that, Carol. I'm going to, um, I'm going to argue. I'm no, going to argue no, 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 mate. It, no. Well, okay. Well, let me finish first, and then you can argue the toss. the The idea mm. of throwing parties at number ten, um, particularly when you contrast that with um, the Queen sitting on her own at her husband's funeral, mm-hmm. um, I think that that there was outrageous. Um, and if you know that that someone's behaviour is so poor that they have they have been um, accused of a sexual assault or whatever, and you think that you know, oh yep. well, we'll just give them a promotion anyway. Look, it just it, the optics of it are terrible. Mm. And um, he he was Boris the bullet dodger, and now he's Boris the boned. Good call. You're preferring, of course, to Chris Chris Pincher, the MP. Pincher by name, Pincher by nature, apparently. That was terrible. Uh, but look, I, I have evidence in front of me here of his excellent judgment. And it's an email, an email from Boris to me. <laughs> Hi, Nick. Thanks for getting in touch and for the lucky culture. Boris Johnson was in uh, Australia in 2013 for the Melbourne Writers Festival, and he wrote me this email. So he wrote about my book, The Lucky Culture. I read it from cover to cover on the Darwin to Melbourne flight and I've enjoyed the expressions of, on the faces of your rivals as I've dragged it relentlessly into interviews, etc. <laughs> <laughs> I sort of imagined him presenting it, you know, like, like you, you, aren't you supposed to hold up a clove of garlic to a vampire? I think he held up my book when he went in to be interviewed by John Fain. I've, I, somewhere I've got a recording of that interview. If I find it, I'll plug it in. You're here for a writer's festival. What are you reading? On the plane, from which was a long flight from Darwin to Melbourne, I read a uh, a book by a man called Nick Keeter. Does he ring a bell with you? You're, 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 you're. He's a Murdoch newspaper editor from the Australian All right. uh, newspaper. But therefore, and, but therefore, thoroughly good egg. And it's certainly been an interesting <laughs> contribution to the debate in Australia at the moment. Well, what he had to say, which I thought was interesting... He was a guest on this program a few weeks ago. Okay, well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure he... he what, what he his line basically was that the, there was this metropolitan liberal elite, which I'm sure you're not a member of, by the way, John, this metropolitan liberal elite, you know, with the ABC and all that kind of thing, that had lots of... was full to the gunnels with higher education... Uh, and, and all that sort of stuff. And then there was everybody else who whose opinions were ignored and, and that sort of malarkey. We've always found it profoundly amusing that the Murdoch newspaper empire, which has an all but controlling grip sometimes <laughs> on public debate in Australia, uh, takes fun in pointing out that others are supposedly elites because uh, it, it's, there's a bit of pot and kettle there. Well, uh, but what, know, yeah, what about anyway. Rupert? I mean, so I'll forgive him everything after that. A good review. Oh, I don't get, you know, they're worth, they're worth a lot. That was a very selfish defence, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Self-serving. Totally. I can throw in a Boris anecdote. I, um, when I was working at the Bulletin, uh, the editor wanted for some, the purpose of some 
edition, I'm not sure what story he was aiming, but we needed some prominent English person to trash Australia. Just a couple of sentences. So I rang Boris, he was then the editor of The Spectator, and I, I explained what we wanted. He said, oh, you just want a sort of a boilerplate anti-Australian comment. I'm like, exactly right, Boris. And he goes, oh, how good's your shorthand? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, it's, yeah it's, it, it's pretty good, mate. And he just launched straight off into this, a nation of criminals doesn't really deserve to be called a nation at all. It's just, it should be re- recolonised. We should, we should be sending more of our criminals there. It just went on and on and on and on. I'm not doing a very good impersonation. But um, here's a lovely line from uh, a chap called Evan Washington in the, in the US. Every time I hear about UK current events, it's incomprehensibly bonkers. It's always like, Secretary of Finance Lord Billy Frumpton is under fire for allegedly eating toffee. (laughs) And every British person commenting on it is like four layers of irony deep and shit posting like no tomorrow. They're posting like, salute to Sir Toffee Frumpton, another disgrace and the love of my life. (laughs) It's like that, isn't it? It is. It is. British politics is... And also, and this is before we even explain to the US, that you can't actually resign as you can in a straightforward way in Australia, even as an MP. There's a whole process to it and you've got to be appointed to something else before you then get shuffled off. It doesn't make no sense at all, Nick. No, no, it it doesn't, but it's fun, isn't it? You had the accent, the boot. I mean, I think a lot of people make a mistake of see Britain as a class-ridden society, which it is in, in some ways, but they think that the working class are not going to vote for somebody who's such a sort of brazen, obvious Etonian as Boris Johnson with the accent, but it's quite the opposite. I think they they quite like them, but mm. they, you know they trust them, but they have to do the right thing, and that's you know remember to doff their caps to the workers. Everybody's on the same plane, yeah. and that, that that in the end was his hanging offence. It was the fact that he he would not. Play by the rules on COVID that he'd imposed on everybody else, and uh, that's a breach of the Magna Carta, isn't it? Isn't it, Caroline? You'd know that. Something like that. Something like that. There's a line in the Bible that says, "Thou shalt not be a hypocrite, <laughs> even if thou art a ponce." <laughs> yeah. Oh dear, where are we? We've got a whole world of affairs to cover. There's a bit of. Premier Dan Andrews, but maybe other things, Tim, 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 that you had on your list. Yes, I've got a, I've got a challenge for the panel. It's a desperately difficult one. I'm going to give you, th- I'm going to give you three quotes. You've got to identify which of these quotes, or possibly all of them, you might think, which which of these quotes come from the Vice President of the United States, Kamala Harris. Okay. Quote number one. We got to take this stuff seriously as seriously as you are because you you have been forced to have to take it seriously quote two gas prices are high due to gas prices not being as low as before (laughs) true enough to get back to lower prices we have to acknowledge gas is high which is the opposite of low (laughs) and the third quote when you look at inflation when we look at where we are at economically and we are in a strong we are stronger economically than we have been in history (laughs) The three absurd quotes. Which ones, which ones or one, are from Kamala, the wordsmith of our era? I think it's. I'm. I'm pretty sure it's the second one. Good call. The third one is the press sec about the economy 
being the strongest in history. Yes, it was a trick question. That was the uh, that was Joe Biden's spokes lesbian, Jean Pierre. Yeah, yeah, she's got no idea, and I think it's 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 at the very least the second one. The gas prices. Yeah. Incorrect. Gas prices is a, a <gasps> fake quote made up by some no. internet wag. The real quote was, we got to take this stuff seriously, as seriously as you are, because you have been forced to have to take it seriously. She's talking about a shooting, uh, the shooting in Highland Park in uh, Chicago, I think. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she gets stuck on words. Just one word will mm-hmm. get her every single mm-hmm. time. And you, the funny is picking which one it will be. She doesn't know. My favourite is still about her not having been to Europe. <laughs> yes. Remember yeah. when they yeah. asked if she'd been to the border and she's like, I haven't been to Europe. That she, oh. Which was actually a, a Daffy Duck joke from the 1940s or something. There's a hilarious Daffy Duck routine where he's, he's challenging someone and he's like, I would like, and then he changes, breaks through the, the, the wall, whatever they call it. He turns to Cameron and says, I would like, I would like a trip to Europe. And then he goes back to his, uh, his adversary. So, yeah, she's the Daffy Duck of vice presidents, which is something given the history of vice presidents in the US. Yarra City Council, I should say, uh, I want to ditch the rainbow flag. Good. This is a green, a green-run council. Why are they ditching the rainbow flag and instead fly at least five different pride flags for the sake of diversity? <laughs> the inner city council that spent twenty-two thousand dollars of ratepayer money on a banana sculpture. What? Now what? Seriously? <laughs> I, we got one of those at Coffs Harbour. <laughs> Now wants to stop the rainbow or gay pride flag uh, uh, flying above its Richmond, Collingwood and Fitzroy halls. Instead, it wants to introduce five different flags. This is according to the Rainbow Advisory Committee. They want they want to fly the it wants to fly the international campaign to abolish nuclear weapons. It wants to flag have a flag for uh, intersectional awareness day. It wants uh, and so on and so on 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 and on. It goes by by visibility day. By visibility, <laughs> it's just crazy, isn't it? So, what, but what worries me most about this, Tim, is we know how much flagpoles cost now, don't we? That's right. I mean, it came out twenty-five million dollars. That's the cost of building a new flagpole on on the Sydney Harbour Bridge, apparently, to put the Aboriginal flag on. Well, where, where I live on the Central Coast, we see flagpoles all the time. I'm just wondering about the hidden enormous wealth in this area. It's gigantic. Twenty-five million dollars. So they want five. Twenty-five million dollars a pop. That's what one twenty-five, right? So. Mm. But, I mean, Caroline mentioned the Bible previously. I mean, pride is a sin. So five pride flags, these people are going straight to hell if they're not there already. Yeah. They're doomed. Oh, they are. Yeah. I just think it's a bit over the top, isn't it? (laughs) Or a lot over the top? I can't even think of that many categories, but there are. Well, I suppose... They don't have that many flags outside the UN. (laughs) (laughs) And that says something. (laughs) Obviously not diverse enough. Okay, well, let them do it. Actual official national flags have a whole lot of protocols around them, obviously, even down to the way they're folded. Mm. Uh, If they have to be disposed of, they have to be disposed of in a certain way, in in the case, I think, of the US flag. Um, Do these flags come with their own peculiar protocols? Is there a saluting kind of equivalent for... uh, for these these new flags, they have to be folded in certain ways. I uh, want. I, I need to uh, know. 
Team, don't ask. Don't ask because you're not going to be. It doesn't it? Does not matter what the response <laughs> is. You're going to be upset by it. <laughs> I probably will. How, be. What is the correct salute for the by visibility day? Flag? Well, it's got to be. It's got to be something that takes into account the um the the non limbed community. Oh yeah, I was going to say you need two hands for it. Oh, I was going to suggest spirit fingers, but that there's <laughs> that's limbed. Just on the issue of limbs. I know this is an audio medium, but we need an explanation of Carolyn's fingernails. Oh, do we? Yes, we do. Oh. I just had them done today. They're multi. One of them's got a stripe. <laughs> this is this is breaking Three news. Three of them have a stripe. Oh, this is this is Gay Pride Week stuff writ large. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Caroline's holding them up to the camera right now. They're not so much limbs, Tim, as limb extensions. Chins. Exactly. They're very very nice. Um, Thank you. But. Uh, We'll need to we'll need to add a visual component, obviously, to this uh, this cast just for the hands <laughs> to explain the fingernails. <laughs> exactly. Oh man! Now maybe there's solidarity indicators for our friends, our farming friends. You could possibly argue that mm. in uh, in the Netherlands, who've been told that their their cows and sheep contribute too much nitrogen to the planet, so the that. The Dutch government has gone berserk about they want to shut down like a third of farms. That's crazy. It is crazy, but I don't think they've taken into account similar to the way the Canadian truck drivers used their work devices to um, to bring Canada to a halt, bring the Canadian capital to a halt at least. Dutch farmers, pig and uh, cow and sheep farmers and so on, they're armed as well. And they showed it during the week. They turned up outside politicians' houses and offices and sprayed them with liquid pig manure. <laughs> Isn't that one of the French's favourite? Like, they always get upset and tend to spray manure on Parliament houses and palaces yeah, exactly. and stuff. Well, but that's like, um, you know, as, as someone wrote on Twitter, because everyone was going berserk about how the incredible these protests were, and someone just said... Um, uh, yeah, that's just what the French call Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> they love a riot in France. What if, they, what, if, what if they hook up together with the Dutch and it's on for young and old? That'd be fantastic. That'd be an unstoppable force. Well, the Belgians stuck in the middle. Well, as usual. <laughs> you know, they'll, they, can, they, can come, they can come together in the Ardennes and just yeah. and st- <laughs> st- storm Germany and destroy the EU entirely. Go for it, guys. That's okay. They won't go through the Ardennes. No one goes through the Ardennes. Well, well the French tried. So, so let me get this right, Tim. Seriously, yeah. the Dutch are abolishing farms. They're abolishing about a third of them. That would be the equivalent. Uh, that's what they That's what they mean to do. They want to reduce the amount of livestock by a third. So that means a third of farm. The price of gouda will go up, obviously. The price of a whole lot of good Dutchy gear will go up, I assume. Let's just have a look. I'll just get the latest on this. Okay, here we go. Here's a, a report from one day ago. Farmers have blocked supermarkets, distribution centres and roads in response to government plans to cut nitrogen emissions. Dutch police fired shots at tractor-riding farmers who were protesting against plans to cut nitrogen emissions in northern Netherlands. Police said they were responding to a threatening situation when the farmers, who were attempting to push past a blockade to get into a highway in the province of Friesland, mm-hmm. started to drive their tractors into offices and their vehicles. According to police, their shots hit a tractor, but no one was injured. Three suspects were arrested. 
and further inquiries are continuing. So yes, this is all. Um, the du- oh, here's a brief summary of it. The Dutch government wants to reduce emissions of nitrogen oxide and ammonia, which are produced by livestock, by 2030. Cuts could reach 70% in some areas under the plans. No one of the farmers are arcing up and good on them for fighting back. Does this mean that flatulence is now officially a crime in Holland? You could be a- well, this isn't related to that. This is an entirely different thing. This is oh. about the method by which... Uh, these critters are uh, fed and raised and so on, so I understand, or the way the, the farming works. Mm. So it's a whole different deal, nitrogen and ammonia. Nitrogen's obviously a very important part of farming, um, as is other types of fertiliser and, and whatever. Mm. And if you want to see the result of what happens when you don't use best practice farming methods, using things like nitrogen and using um, things like fertilizers mm. have a look what's going on in sri lanka damn straight mm. because mm. that there is absolutely as a result of a ban on using fertilizers and having yep. to grow all the crops organically and now they yep. can't even feed their own people and that was that was by government regulation wasn't it, carolyn they, that they, was by government regulation yeah they banned fertilizers. all go organic yep correct and um and obviously with organic production it doesn't it doesn't mm. yield as much if you don't fertilize you don't you you don't yield as much and uh now they're all hungry and they have civil unrest so mm. you know be careful what you wish for this is what happens when you try to run an entire economy based on the fancy aisles at harris farms yeah. it yeah. goes <laughs> very wrong very very quickly sri lanka by the way doesn't need much to tip it into any kind of conflict at any time. They've had major issues. They've had a civil war, for God's sake. Mm. And having emerged from that, uh, or having relatively well emerged from it, uh, they, don't, they don't need this crap on top of it, and uh, they're copying it. How do they measure their economy? They have a well-being index or maybe a compost index or something to measure their economy. But they, Well, their economy being, given that it's shrunk by some god-awful amount, you can measure it with um, a couple of fingers. Well, their their currency, their currency, and I can't. It it might be a rupee, but I don't. I'm not 100 percent sure. But I did see a graph yesterday that it's fallen 48 percent against the US dollar since January or something like that. It is the rupee, by the way. It is the rupee. Yep. Yeah, it's and fallen. Right now, you can buy lots of them. One Sri Lankan, one Sri Lankan rupee will buy you. 0.0041 Australian dollars. There you go. <laughs> there you not, go. So it's a little bit higher than the New Zealand dollar then, but not much. <laughs> the Kiwi peso, as I like to call it. <laughs> exactly. And, um, and so now, obviously, when your exchange rate drops that low, having to import fuel, the, the, the cost of oh, fuel yeah. has just gone through the roof. Your toast, yeah. They've had to close schools because teachers can't even get fuels to be able to, fuel to be able to drive to school. So um, it has really heavily disrupted their economy. And I think there's obviously um, there's fuel for some, uh, you know, major defence and, and, and health sectors. But other than that, Everyone is on Shake's Pony. It's interesting that uh, the one thing that all nations can now find in common, including Australia and the US and, and, and Sri Lanka and New Zealand, 
everyone's got shortages of one kind or another. Mm. Now, the latest shortage in our sector, tissues. Tissues. All the tissues are gone. And I said to, you know, one of the store guys in Woolies, are we out of tissues now? And he goes, yeah, everyone's got colds. <laughs> so we're just down to even the most elemental things. This is after the great lettuce shortage, which, by the way, is ongoing. Mm. The, uh, the spinach strike. Mm. I don't know what sparked that. <laughs> but we're, what, what sort of shortages are you guys suffering? Can I ask a question, though? Please. Pre-COVID, did we run out of tissues when we got colds? Or is it because of that, that er, those early COVID days where now you get a sniffle and you need to back the truck up into your garage worth of <laughs> tissues? Like, what's, have we just totally, the proportion has gone out the window? We've gone from toilet rolls to tissues, haven't we? One end to the other. Well, one's softer. A shortage of tissues, enough to make you cry, isn't it? But it'd be, you wouldn't have anything to wipe your eyes with. That's the I'm just going just gonna to show you my retirement fund. There we go. Look at that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a packet of tissues. That's right. Uh, it's worth, it's worth uh, almost a full rupee. How many old ladies did you have to shove aside with your elbows to get to that packet, Tim? One of them wasn't that old. <laughs> Let, let's let's not worry. But what sort of shortages have you guys noticed? They're, they're, they're peculiar things. At one point in New South Wales, there was a shortage of ham sauce baked beans. Gosh. It, it, well, cat food is, is short. I don't know if you've been out trying to buy cat food recently. I have. I was buying cat food, but worryingly, I don't own a cat. <laughs> Draw your own conclusions. Are you dropping by for dinner tonight, Nick? For, for, for a cat who is a fussy eater, yeah. which is all cats, all yeah. cats, it's very hard to get their favourite brand. Ours likes, a, a, I think it's called a tuna mornay. What? And we, uh, before he eats it, before he eats it, we have to sprinkle it with grated Parmesan cheese, he insists, and then he'll eat it. It's the only one he'll eat. And, and we, we... How, did, how did you discover that this was the way to serve the tuna to your cat. <laughs> well, it's a funny story, actually. We were just sitting there just having finished a delicious meal, mm. which was had a lashings of Parmesan cheese on it. Yeah. And the cat jumped on the table and started licking the plate with great relish. I thought, now I know. Now I know how to make that food tasty for you. Is, is your cat related to Hunter Biden? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> I don't think that was Parmesan, Tim, uh, not that I, I'm aware of. So, so earlier in the year, um, there was a, a weather event in South Australia which, <laughs> which destroyed the rail line to WA, which means we have shortages of pretty much everything um, because so much comes via the railway into WA. Yeah. So we did without a great many things but oddly enough and and we do farm eggs here in WA but it has been very difficult to get eggs really yeah I know and it's something that it doesn't make any sense to me and even now there's there's really not as many eggs around as you like there usually are usually the 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 shelves are chockers full of eggs but a bit light on mm. for options I, re- I encountered a strange egg scene in a supermarket recently. There was a chap, you know, sometimes you see people, old people usually, they'll, they'll open a box of eggs before they put it in their basket. And they check them. I do that. I do that. I'm not old. I always check my, don't you check your eggs? <laughs> <laughs> it's a little trick you picked up in your nonya, isn't it? 
Yeah, probably. No, I, I live on the edge, Caroline. You know me. I just buy, <laughs> and I find out later that three of them are broken. But no, I, anyway, I saw a chap, and he he opened a box, and then he closed it. And there was nothing wrong with any of the eggs. He opened, checked, closed it, and then he opened a second box and looked at it, and a third, and he kept he continued this for some time. And I eventually, like, I'm going crazy here. I said, "Excuse me, mate, are you you got an issue with the eggs?" He said, how come you never see white eggs anymore? <laughs> You're joking, right? He was just going... Racist, was he? Racist. Well, they, they used to um, put eggs through a kind of a bleaching process oh. before putting them aside oh. because, you know, a white egg just looked better. And they stopped doing that because natural eggs became cool. But uh, this guy was on a mission and um, I think he eventually uh, store security had to speak to him about his... Uh, egg observation obsession. Can I, can I ask a question? Are people still, because um, it's something that the wogs used to do all the time, was you'd go and get your lettuce and you'd pull yeah. the outer leaves off. No one's pulling off outer leaves anymore, are they? Oh, no, that's worth millions of rupees. <laughs> <laughs> are we allowed to say wog on the program, Tim? Well, I am. I am. I've got to bleep that in post-production. She's allowed. She's a lawyer. And I will unrepentantly. No, it's a great word. And I'm married to one yeah. as well, so it's all cool. Um do people still, like sometimes you'd see penny pinches in uh, grocery stores and they would ostentatiously, they wouldn't try to hide it. They would snap the stems off the mushrooms so they weren't buying the stems because obviously mushrooms are sold by weight, which I always found a repugnant habit because it's not as though, you know, what are you saving? 0.5 of a gram of mushroom is not going to not going to break the bank or maybe it does these days i don't know maybe that'll come back in fashion i'm not sure i am i discriminate against all forms of fungi so quite <laughs> frankly just take the whole mushroom and chuck it in the bin as far as i'm concerned <laughs> what do you what do you put on your capriccioso what kind of wog are you oh, oh i'm traumatized i can't talk about mushrooms i don't like them i don't like the smell can't stand them being cooked the texture they're just disgusting this is fantastic we're learning a great deal about a lot of things here today we are we've covered, we covered everything i think it's been a very agricultural <laughs> program but i suppose that's what happens when you invite yeah. caroline on sorry about that <laughs> you can take the girl out yeah, of hiding but you can't take hiding out of the girl tim any other agenda i think i think we've covered most everything um I do like the new habit of the climate protesters of gluing themselves to paintings. Oh, isn't it just ridiculous? Honestly. <laughs> but like they, they, they've done it to three, I think, galleries in London. And one of them, a fairly big gallery, these two protesters glued themselves to the frame of a painting. So the gallery was immediately cleared. Everyone get out. There's been a, there's been a gluing. There's a gluing underway. Like, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you just like let people... Like, it's everyone pay? else's fault that these people are just... I don't even have... I don't even know what mm. word is appropriate for me to use. I'm just going to let it go. But they weren't obstructing the painting. They were sort of, you know, off to the side. So you could still look at the artwork. Mm. It's just that it had two idiots attached to it. Just leave them there. So, exactly. <laughs> leave them there for a long time. It reminds me of the pancake protest. Do you remember we had a lot to say about those at the time? These were people who glued themselves to the road. Yes, oh, that's yes. right. Yeah. And they were called pancakes because that was the shape they ended up as. Or deserve to. Just leave them there. Mm. Or bring out a water cannon 
and just kind of make an afternoon of it. Oh, for the people on the roads, yeah, you wouldn't want to be spraying around, you know, a few hundred thousand pounds per square inch pressure of water inside an art gallery. Probably not in the art gallery, no, 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 the road. <laughs> It'd be like, you know, you knock a few million, do- <laughs> a few million, few million Monets blasted out the window yeah. might get you upset. Yeah. On the road, on the road. Tougher policing, that's what we need. It was significant that the protests the other week were blockade Sydney, not blockade Melbourne. They wouldn't dare down there. There was some great policing in uh, France. There's some video kicking around on YouTube of some, some pancake protesters glued themselves to the roads and um, the police just literally grabbed the hands. There was no sort of solvents used and just yank, right? And one bloke took this particularly badly. He was rolling around screaming. It was the full, you know, injured soccer player stunt. Yeah, yeah. But he's mm. grabbing his knee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, he, he's, he's howling and wailing about his mortally injured hand and there's yeah. no blood or anything. Oh, come on, man. And, um, and the camera panned up to the cop who said something very dismissive in French and uh, one of my readers helpfully translated it. The policeman said, yeah, 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 go tell your mother about it. You're under arrest. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe the French aren't so bad after all. French cops and Dutch farmers. Put them together, you've got a force for good. Well, I think we've solved most of the world's problems. Probably caused a few more, but anyway, minor issue. That's all right. That's the balance of nature, Caroline. It's all good. (laughs) The rest we'll save till next week. Thank thank you for joining us, Caroline. Anytime. Anytime, gents. Love to have you back again soon. Thanks, Tim. All good, mate. I'm off to the Mackay Harbour Hotel. Fantastic. Not a bad town. Every American and LBJ is with Australia all the way. Australia is the best place in the world to bring up a family. But we will decide who comes to this country and the circumstances in which they come. I hope I speak for the House when I say that I have no hesitation about trusting Australia. How good is Australia?